Praise the Lord, it's chat time. Yes, praise the Lord. This is chat time where we discuss current events and scriptures. Praise the Lord. I know last week I started off with some really stupid things, in my opinion. They're very stupid, and I'm going to start off with another really dumb thing that I've seen. I, I know everybody must have seen it on all channels. Maybe not. I don't know, maybe not, but it's all over the, all over the internet, and um, there's a Christmas advertisement, actually it's a little video, and it's by the Norwegian Postal Service, posting showing Santa Claus in a gay relationship, <laughs> and it has been praised as beautiful, powerful, and progressive, and that video featuring Santa getting a boyfriend, went viral. It's titled, When Harry Met Santa. <laughs> the queer love story marks the upcoming 50th anniversary since homosexuality was decriminalized in the country, in the Norwegian country. M Monica Solberg, the Postal Service's marketing director, told LGBTQ Nation, Poston is an inclusive workplace with great diversity. And we would like to celebrate the 50th anniversary with this fine love story. Mm -hmm. 
I'm speechless. I mean, because while I'm, I can't show you the video. I know that it's online, and you can watch the whole video. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's just beyond words for me. Yeah. Because of maybe how I grew up, maybe because of what I believe in, maybe because I know that it's perverted, and I know that it's wrong, and to take something like and they just perverted though right it's just contrary to nature and i don't think there's anything uh wrong with the person looking at something like that and saying it that's just a crying shame but they have to give it an answer to god not so much because santa claus is uh, it's just a a fable but the message behind so in the video you know it what it says is that every year well santa comes to this house Mm. And um, this guy comes out of the, I don't know, out of a room, and he's, he's bare-chested, and he's, he sees Santa Claus. <laughs> and it's like their eyes lock. Ooh. And every year, there's like a meeting. <laughs> I don't know. And, and he's falling in love. And then it shows that he's crying because he misses oh, Santa, and he wishes... And he writes him a note, I miss you. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I wish I could be with you. That's so silly. And then what do you expect at the from a guy end, that comes down your chimney? At, at the end, <laughs> the doorbell rings, and he, there's a, a delivery of some package, Christmas packages by some runner. I don't know. And they said, Merry Christmas. And then he turns around, and he sees Santa in the living room. And Santa is saying, well, what did you think? If I needed, if I wanted to spend some extra time with you, I had to, I had to have some help delivering my uh, gifts. Well, it's and just then, ridiculous it, then it shows kissing. It's all carnal. It's all uh, based on lust. It's just silly. Anyway, so if you want to look at it, you can go on the internet. But I just, it's disgusting in my opinion. Yes, well. And then someone sent me this article. For the first time in Scottsdale, Arizona, mm-hmm. the Satanic Temple is going to hold their very first conference. And Satanists from across the country will converge on Old Town Scottsdale next year for the Satanic Temple's first convention. The move comes a year after the temple lost a federal lawsuit against Scottsdale alleging religious discrimination because a member of the Arizona chapter was not allowed to give an invocation at a city council meeting in 2016. But Temple appealed the ruling, but the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit upheld the lower court's decision this spring. The city claimed that at the time the group was turned away because it had no significant ties to Scottsdale. But the temple announced Tuesday, or not so long ago, in an Instagram page that SatanCon 2022 will take place from February 11th to the 13th at the Saguaro Hotel in Old Town. Okay, so they lost. Who lost the lawsuit? That's the city council. Really? The Post said the event will be dedicated to former Scottsdale Mayor Jim Lane and Council Member Suzanne Clapp, who both left office in January. Hmm. <coughs> so, um, 
The temple claimed that Lane and Clamp took pride in depriving the satanic temple of their civil liberties by refusing to allow one member the opportunity to utter a brief, solemn message. Yes, but I mean, and so they said that the city lost to the satanic church and the satanic church lost to the city. The temple, the satanic temple, appealed the ruling to the, but the U.S. Court of Appeals upheld the lower court's well, decision. What was the lowest which, court decision? Mm, the move came a year after the temple lost. The, the temple, temple lost. lost a federal lawsuit. Okay, so they, they didn't feel like the city was discriminating <laughs> against them. Well, anyway, so if you're in Scottsdale, Arizona, avoid February 11th like, to avoid the 13th. Avoid like the plague. Because you just can imagine all the demonic forces that are going to be in that place. Now here's something else that's really stupid. Somebody sent this to me. from the, They found it on the Christian Post. The largest school district in the United States is reinstating two books into its high school libraries after a review into concerns raised by a mother that they contain pornography with graphic descriptions of sex acts between men and boys. And the two committees that reviewed and assessed Lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison and Gender Queer, but a memoir by... Well, what did they expect? <laughs> a memoir by Maya Kobebe have unanim unanimously recommended that they remain in public school libraries as diverse reading material for students with underrepresented identities. This is in Fairfax County Public Schools in Virginia. Uh, I'm glad that the book has been reinstated where I, I hope how many it times will continue checked out. to inspire That's what I would like to know. comfort young adult readers who have been marginalized economically, racially, or by virtue of their sexual identification so that these young people might find their rightful place within the large culture. I, I I guess, you know, it would take a certain type to go and check it out, you know, keep a straight face, you know, it, I, but to each his own. But I just think that sometimes the library goes too far as to claim that they are trying to protect, I guess, a certain freedoms. But if they have it up there and if a student checks it out, so yeah. um, what are you going to do? I wonder if they bring it home for uh, their parents to see. Uh, <laughs> in September... Um, it, it seems like in a, a board meeting in September, someone read aloud sexually explicit, uh, the, some of the uh, stuff in the book. Mm -hmm. So it says, I, I can't wait to have your yeah, well, blank, blank, blank in my mouth. Yeah, well, that's. I'm going to give you the. Well, we can imagine what in the world <laughs> they, what they're saying. What I can't understand. I mean, I can only picture a student coming. See, so to me, certain things should be for adults, not for not for teenagers. You know, I I could see it if it was. Is it in a is it in a public library or is it in a, uh, a library that's associated with the school? In the school. That, see that that I, I don't understand. I could see if it was in just a general public. Do they library. even have adult bookstores anymore? 
Because when you start going into a, a sexually explicit material like that, it should not be given to children. I don't care if they're teenagers, they're still children. Yeah, that's another way of trying to indoctrinate right. them while they're young. Right, they're grooming them towards that type of a lifestyle, and that's silly. Now, now this article comes from CBN News, and I don't know. You tell me if this makes any sense to you or not. Mm-hmm. Colorado is doing away with the term sex offender okay. because, because it's stigmatizing to those who have been who have committed sexual crimes. So it's stigmatizing <laughs> the offender. The state's <laughs> sex offender management board. Uh-huh. It was tasked with controlling treatment for those convicted of sex crimes and they voted recently to replace the title sex offender with with rapist Adults who commit sexual offenses. What, what's the now, difference? Now, is this stupid That's or what? Stupid. Because well, they should just, like I heard somebody say, just go directly to what the crime is. If they were a uh, pedophile, call them a pedophile. If they were a rapist, call them a rapist. You know, don't have to call them a sex offender. Don't have to put it on some general broad umbrella. Just name specifically what their crime was. If they were soliciting, soliciting underage prostitutes, just say that, you know? Just, just come out and, and name what they did. But to say, yeah, I mean, people, I don't know what's the difference. I mean, if you were a sex offender, and and you don't want to be called a sex offender, but now you are called an adult who committed a sexual offense. Right. So, what's the difference? I don't it, get that. I don't. I don't get it either. One registered sex offender argued that he shouldn't have to carry the label all his life, explaining. Referring to me by a label for something that I did half my well, life adult, ago. An adult who has committed an sex Is inappropriate and downright but offensive. But to say an adult that has committed a sexual offense is still a label. So. That's like a, that sounds like a dictionary term when you look it up in a dictionary. Sex offender uh-huh. is an adult. That, that, <laughs> that, but but I, I, I agree with this. If a person has... Say, for instance, if they have gone through uh, treatment, if they have served their prison sentence, I think then that maybe they should come up with something uh, different. A person who, to me, has served the time should not be punished after they've served their time, if that's what his concern is. And if, but that's like saying if a person is a committed a homicide and so that they're murderer we don't refer to people who have served their sentence as murderers when they are released so i can understand if the if a title is following them and making it difficult for them to say get housing or employment then i could see them coming up with a different term but what they have come up with is still a label and it's still same thing right and it's very obvious that what the offense is so this registered sex offender who complained about this said he would, it would be better to be called a client uh-huh. of the SOM 
B, which is Psalm, stands Psalm. for the <laughs> Sex Offender Management Board. A client. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, if it's going to help him get employment, I don't know. One well, rape, housing, I don't know. A rape survivor, speaking out against the new title, argued that it is ex- it is acceptable to use first-person language when referring to things outside of an individual's control, but asserted that this is not a case for a sex offender. It's not, it's not out of their control. But it's not out of their control for almost any type of crime, whether it's, whether it's murder, whether, you're, or whether it's theft, or, you know. So I don't think, I think most of the crimes that are committed aren't out of a person's control. I don't think the issue is so much the title, because if that's what they are, if a person would go back and look at their record or their history, their criminal record, and that's what it says, that's what it is. I think the problem is stigmatization after you served your time, no matter what the crime is. Are you labeled a sex offender for the rest of your life? Yeah, just about. You have to register wherever you go. Forever, even? Yeah, yeah. It's, It's pretty definite, but what I'm thinking is... Uh, somehow, uh, there are certain things. If a person has actually served their time, that that they should not have to be burdened with, because once you once you paid your debt to yeah, society, right, and you, you should, should have be, it expunged. You should. I don't know if not it expunged, expunged but, but I don't think it should be used against you. Yeah. when you're trying to get employment or when you're trying to get housing, but there's certain. But it depends on what it is. See, I actually think that. Like the Lord does, it's it's not it's not only what you do, but the intent behind it. So if you label something so broadly like sexual offender, and say for instance, if it had nothing to do with children, to me that would make a difference. What type of offense it was? Are you guilty of pedophilia? And then that to me would make a difference. You know, I, I, but if you were guilty of something and it had to, and it, how violent it was, if you, if you committed a, a, a rape. That makes a difference to me to just call a person a sexual offender is too, it's too broad, it's too generic. Well, anyway, moving on. I didn't hear about this uh, pastor of a New York City Seventh Day Adventist church, mm-hmm. and recently he said in a sermon um, earlier this month that husbands may rape their wives. And this is what he said. Well, that's a, a law. Legally, that, that's, that's a law. He says, in the matter of submission, in his sermon, this is what he said. I want you to know up front, ladies, that once you get married, you are no longer your own. You are your husband's. You understand what I'm saying? I emphasize that because I saw in court the other day on TV where a lady sued her husband for rape. And I would say to you, gentlemen, the best person to rape is your wife. But then it has become legalized. What, the rape has become legalized? No, that's what his quote was. Uh, now, does that's, he believe a, a husband can or cannot rape their wives? I'm should. confused. The should. best person to rape would yeah, be... But his, I thought the starting sentence was that uh, husbands... Well, and I'm I confused. would say to you, gentlemen, the best person to rape is your wife. Yeah, but I mean, the first sentence that... that, that that was that you well. Read. He he said he saw on TV in the mad in this matter of submission. Okay. I want you to know up front, ladies, that once you get married, you are no longer your own. You are your husband. What, what was the title of the article? 
pastor called on husbands to rape their wives. Oh, okay. I, see, I, you know what I thought? Uh, you, you had said, I thought it was that pastors would, uh, 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 it was saying that, past, that the pastor recognized that husbands rape their wives, like in the sense that it's wrong, not in the sense that they have the permission to rape them, but that is wrong. But here, here's the thing about that particular scripture. They always read it one way. Correctly. They always read it that that the husbands the wives have to submit to their husbands, and that the hus that the wives are no longer their own, but the husbands are no longer their own either. And that scripture, and they always leave that part out. Comma after the scripture when it says wives submit to your husbands, and husbands are also comma right. As to the Lord. Right. And the so Lord, would the Lord rape you? Right. I don't think so. And they, they only read part of the, that scripture, but there's they're supposed to be submissive one to another. It's not just one-sided like that. Well, anyway, uh, he was placed on leave. Because <laughs> he's crazy. <laughs> he was placed on administrative leave for that sermon. And they, and they probably sending him to psychiatric counseling. <laughs> I don't know, but he's on site. He's on administrative leave. Yes. <laughs> you got me mixed up here. All right, here. Now, tell me if this doesn't sound like... I mean, there's a lot of things that I read, articles that I read that remind me of the beginning of socialism. Yeah, and I yeah. don't know if people yeah. feel like that's what they want. Maybe they should move to, to another country that has it. But, right, um, and all the people who were into socialism were trying to find freedom. Right, right. So this article says a Biden bill forces faith-based child care to affirm LGBT ideology or lose federal funding. I heard that to lose the funding. That's right. what I'm saying. You, they, it's too easy. That's why I don't accept it. You're going to do all that stuff right. with the government because yes. soon as you... Um, Take soon as check. you take it, and then the government's like they own you. Right. You know, when people become too dependent upon the, the, the government checks, it's like the people who were doing the research for solar energy and alternative energy, and they were getting funding from the federal government, and then when, with the stroke of the pen, Trump took it away. And then with the stroke of the pen, Biden got in and took away the pipeline. I mean, once you receive federal funding and the, the bulk of your... Dependency is on that particular fund. You have to mercy. Yeah. yeah. You have to be independent enough that if they pull it, you still can go forward. So the White House says that the bill would cut child care spending on young children by more than half and provide free preschool for all three and four year old children. The controversy involves language within the White House passed bill that would require preschool and child care facilities to abide by federal non-discrimination laws regard, related to gender identity and sexual orientation. This means, critics say, that faith-based facilities that affirm biblical beliefs on marriage and gender would not be able to participate because they do not hold to LGBT ideology. Uh, the Build Back Better bill would represent a change in how faith-based child care centers receive funding. Currently, they're not bound by federal non-discrimination laws. Right. And, and now they're creeping into the churches. You know, the first they're going through, like, your social programs. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, they'll be telling you what to preach. That's not building back better at all. No, that's not even building. <laughs> <laughs> that's just ridiculous. So, I don't know. It's... Um, 
talking. I would want to send my child to a faith-based uh, center and find out that they, you know, uh, folded under that pressure. And we we'll know what they would be teaching my child. Mm -mm. So religious organizations, according to the New York Times, say the bill's provisions would force them to choose between participating in the child care initiative and continuing to teach religious content, convene all boys or all girls programs, or give preferences in hiring or admissions to people of their religion. It will be detrimental to our ability to participate. It would impact our ability to stick with our Catholic mission, according to the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. It would uh, impact our ability to stick with our Catholic mission in a variety of ways. We've worked really hard to make our concerns known. But, you know, I think that's the purpose of, um, and I could be wrong, it's the purpose of paying tithes. When you're going to church and the church pays for, you know, you're, you're paying. Tithes and offering is, is, is supposed to be for uh, the, if the pastor is living off of the tithes and the offering, that's how it was originally established by the Lord. Your first tithes and offering went to the Lord, and then after that, he had them dedicated to the Levites, and then he told the Levites that off of the tithes and the offering, they had to pay tithes. But the tithes and offerings is for that, for the pastor to live off of, and for the upkeep uh, of the church. And then it's according and to And you're how, building a storehouse. Right. And it's according to how wealthy or how well off the church is. You know, you might not have enough to even have a sufficient storehouse, let's known support a daycare or a soup kitchen or whatever. But you go accordingly. But the Lord blesses. He increases when people pay their tithes. I know a lot of people preach against it. You know, they, they can't see it in the New Testament. I say, uh-huh. God blesses those because it's as unto the Lord. You're giving as unto God. Yeah, I was just reading an article about that, about paying tithes, and I and I, I didn't copy it, but I was just thinking how I don't think I'd ever go backwards. No. Once you find out how the Lord blesses you, right, you you're do. never going to go back. Right. I know somebody tried to talk me out of it. I told him, well, if you don't believe in paying them, don't. Yeah, you don't. Why pay are you trying to talk me out of it? <laughs> and I and I'm telling you, and I'm, I'm telling you firsthand because if. Even you make mistakes, even if you make bad decisions, even if you are stupid financially, the Lord takes care right. of you in blessed. spite of your stupid mistakes. Right. He'll make he a supplies way for all of your needs. Yes. And, I'm, and, and there's no way I'd go back. You and I'm, I encourage everybody to just try him. Right. Just try Jesus. Try tithing. Right. Just take him at his word because he did say... You know, prove me. Right. Because it's as unto the Lord. That, that, because, you know, I hear a lot of people saying, you know, they think that the, that the preacher's going to get it. I said, well, that's not how, that's not the spirit in which you give and your you tithes. You don't you look at that. You look at what the God says to do and right. you want to be obedient. And, and you want to know that you're giving unto the Lord. You, you want to recognize them. that. Right. Well, anyway, that just about concludes our program. Well, praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Today's verse of the day comes from Psalm 5 and 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. 
Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Now, ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, on what mount did the Israelites pronounce curses when God brought them to the land they were to possess? The answer is Ebal, E-B-A-L. And that can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 29, which reads, And it shall come to pass, when the Lord thy God hath brought thee in unto the land whither thou goest to possess it, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal. Last week's food for thought is, this week's food for thought is, when do we lend to the Lord and he repays us? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.